Welcome to day 185 of the story that changes everything. Our readings for today are Isaiah chapter 7 through 9. Here are some thoughts to add your reading for today. Chapter 7 is a lengthy and complex chapter. It's rooted in the historical challenge Judah and King Ahaz faced in the threat on two fronts of Assyria, this major nation, but then small coalitions of nations that were forming to try and stop Assyria and its potential invasion. Verses 1 through 9 contain the confrontation between Isaiah and Ahaz, and then verses 10 through 17 deal with Ahaz's rejection of a divine prophetic sign. And verses 18 through 25 relay a collection of four oracles or prophetic expectations for Jerusalem. The occasion for Isaiah's confrontation with Ahaz is the threat of two of Judah's small neighboring nations, Israel or Ephraim and Syria or Aram. Feeling the threat from Assyria, these two kings wanted Judah to join them in an alliance against the empire of Assyria. But because Judah resisted, kings Pekah and Rezin planned to attack Jerusalem and install their own puppet king in Jerusalem who would do their bidding and bring Judah into their alliance. So, shaking from the threat, Ahaz is out inspecting the city water pipes, perhaps in anticipation of a siege upon the city. Isaiah goes to him, accompanied by his son, who is prophetically named Shir Jashub, which in Hebrew means, a remnant shall return. Really prophetic exile language there. The call from God through Isaiah is for Ahaz to not allow his fears to cloud his judgment. These two nations he fears are unimportant and will soon not exist. God will hold Judah's future secure if King Ahaz will simply trust and have faith in God. It's important to note that this is the way the Bible thinks about the nature of faith. Faith is not just a matter of cognitively assenting to particular beliefs. As much as faith is being willing to risk in the very practical and challenging aspects of our lives, where God's words and promises have to be relied upon as true. And so what will Ahaz do? The confrontation continues in verse 10 with the offer of a sign. God essentially says, I'll prove it to you, Ahaz. If you just ask, I'll give you a sign. But Ahaz, using a form of hypocritical God talk, in my opinion, piously refuses the offer. Nevertheless, God will give him a sign. A young woman will conceive and give birth to a son who would be called Emmanuel, or God with us, by the time he's two years old. That's the age symbolized in that language of knowing good from evil. And by that time, in two years, the two nations, Ahaz fears, they will no longer be an existential threat. But because Ahaz has acted unfaithfully, he and the people will now face an even greater threat, the empire of Assyria. Two quick notes about this mysterious sign. The first is that this text obviously becomes important to the birth narratives of Jesus in both the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. In this text, the two gospel writers see an expectation from the prophet that both the Virgin Mary and the child Jesus fulfill, or perhaps it's better to say expectations that they fill full. The Hebrew word in the text does not necessitate or specify that this young woman in Ahaz's day be a virgin, but that expectation is certainly caught up in the inspired imagination of the New Testament writers. So what, or better who, is the sign that Ahaz receives? There's a great deal of scholarly speculation about that question with no clear resolution. It's my best guess, but I certainly could be wrong, that the sign in Ahaz and Isaiah's context ends up being the birth of Hezekiah, the next king. As we'll see later on in Isaiah, 
Hezekiah does what his father fails to do. He lives and leads the people in a way that reminds them that God is with them. In that sense, he too fills full Isaiah's prophetic hopes. The chapter ends with four oracles that each begin with on that day. The heart of the oracles is that the small fears of Ahaz will be replaced with much larger threats, with forms of humiliation, and with a land whose abundance will be lost. Chapter 8 is one of the most difficult chapters in the book of Isaiah to both translate and to interpret. The chapter's clear intention is to carry forward the warnings of chapter 7. A third child with a symbolic name is introduced, a name again associated with exile and devastation. The temptation of Ahaz will be to try to circumvent his fear of Ephraim and Aram by making an alliance with Assyria. But Isaiah sees that alliance with Assyria not only as a failure of trust in the Lord, but also as potentially opening the door for greater devastation and even deeper moral decay within the people. There's a continual theme for Isaiah that fear only produces more confusion, and so Ahaz, trust in the Lord. The first seven verses of chapter 9 again move from judgment to hope. The first verse compares the former and latter times. The former time is apparently the time of failure and oppression under Ahaz, but the latter time is the time of new royal leadership under Hezekiah. God will be at work delivering his people, and this new king will trust in God's work. This new king will be wise and shrewd. He'll be a wonderful counselor. He will be filled with the necessary powers for deliverance. He'll receive powers from the mighty God. He will have the generative powers to make sure the kingdom continues into the future. He'll be an everlasting father. And he will establish the kingdom in stability and harmony. They'll call him a prince of peace. Thanks to Handel's great Messiah, we now can't read these words without thinking deeply about Jesus and the way his life resonates with these expectations in ways that, again, fills these words full. Verses 8-21 through again turn to words of judgment. From some of the language, it's guessed that this powerful oracle comes from witnessing the destruction of the northern nations of Israel by Assyria. That devastation that Judah observed wrought upon their brothers and sisters was interpreted as judgment for the failure of the leaders of God's people. In a time when we too are often driven by our fears and even energized by them, these chapters and the chaotic leadership of Ahaz should serve as a warning. The continual call of God is do not fear. Our fears cloud our judgment and they end up causing us to pay attention to the things that are less important than living into the life of faithfulness. We continue the journey tomorrow with Isaiah chapters 10 through 12 and we're reading the other half of Psalm 78 verses 40 through 72. I'll talk to you tomorrow.